0: Get the eternal perspective as you join us today for Sound Doctrine.
1: This can be a real bummer in this place. Or you can look at it a whole different way and it can be a real blessing. Right? In fact, for the Christian, you know, I, I always like to look at it this way. This is the most hell we're ever gonna get. Can you handle it, you know? And when you really think of it that way, because when you really get your eyes on what hell's about, this is nothing. Your spirit leads me.
0: Persecution, tribulation is to be expected in the Christian life. Maybe when it hits you, you get down and discouraged. Today on Sound Doctrine, we'll learn how it's possible to actually rejoice in the midst of it all. You have the eternal perspective. It makes all the difference. Pastor Jeff Johnson is making his way through Matthew's Gospel, and we're at the tail end of the Beatitudes in chapter 5. Here's Pastor Jeff with part one of a message he's simply entitled, Rejoicing in Tribulation here on Sound
1: Matthew chapter 5, verse 11. In fact, we're going to be so bold as to say we're going to take two verses this morning, verse 11 and 12. So we're really moving along. Remember, I mentioned last week, James said, count it all joy when you enter into diver temptations, different trials and tribulations. Count it all joy. And Paul said, we glory in our trials and tribulations. So joy and glory, and then you start to kind of look at them and say, what do you guys know that I don't know? (laughs) Where's this joy? Where's this glory, Paul? Come on. You know, we know that you're like men with like passions. Need a little of this joy and this glory. We need to understand what you understood. There are eight B attitudes, and we've come to the end of the eight B attitudes. The characteristics of the Christian that build towards our last beatitude, and that was, we saw it last week, persecution in verse 10. The final mark of being a Christian, our behavior. Because we are being Christ-like, it's not popular to be Christ-like. You're going to be persecuted, and you're going to find out about this place that we call the world or this false value system, or it's just a different system that we're living in. My kingdom is not of this world, Jesus said. It's a whole different system of values. Totally different than this world. Here, this is not our home. We're strangers in this place. And the closer you get to the Lord, the more you understand that and the more you realize that. That you're an alien man. Not from another planet, but from this planet. An alien. So verse 11 now of Matthew 5, Blessed are you when men shall revile you and persecute you and shall say all manner of evil against you falsely for my sake. Rejoice and be exceedingly glad, for great is your reward in heaven, for so persecuted they the prophets which were before you. These two verses are kind of an application for this peculiar condition of the disciples that they were entering into that really would go throughout all of the ages. I mean, this is good for all throughout the church age all the way up to where we're at today. They give us kind of a, a look at a few more of the characteristics of the Christian, of the man or woman of God. Qualities are to be manifested. In other words, these if, if you're a Christian, then these are the qualities that you're going to be having in your life, coming out of your life. In other words, a Christian's reaction in certain situations... Oh, they say they're a Christian. Well, how do they react or act? And I believe that we have a choice as Christians. No one else has this choice. We have this choice. Over in Galatians, in chapter 5 of Galatians, it talks about the works of the flesh and the works or the fruit of the Spirit. And he simply says in verse 16, This I say then, walk in the Spirit, and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. For the flesh lusts against the Spirit, the Spirit against the flesh. These two are contrary, one against the other. And then he says in verse 19 of Galatians 5, he lists the works of the flesh. You know, adultery, fornication, you know, witchcraft, hatred, wrath, strife, and a whole list there, murders, Drunkenness, But then in verse 22, he lists a whole list of the fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. And he goes on with that list. But there's a choice that we can make. The Bible says that you will know them by their what? Fruits, okay? So we've just looked at the whole list of fruits. So this is the Christian. He's not living for the flesh. He's not in the flesh. He's living... And walking by the Spirit of God, so he's got the fruit of the Spirit. It's something that God just gives to us. It's not something that's worked up or something that we have to, you know, just kind of be strong against whatever's happening against us and then, then, you know, hopefully we'll make it. No, this is something that is from above, from God, in us and through us to show that we are truly Christians. If you just listen and watch a person, how they act and react and what they say, I mean, here we are living in a world, living in this life. You can begin to see if they are a child of disobedience or they are what the Bible calls a child of God because there's certain, you know, the vocabulary is going to be different. A child of the world is going to speak one way. A child of God is going to speak another way. Wouldn't you say that's true? Characteristics, mindset, philosophy, how we live, how we look at things. How we, how we take what life is throwing at us or living in this world, you know. It, this can be a real bummer in this place. Or you can look at it a whole different way and it can be a real blessing, right? In fact, for the Christian, you know, I, I always like to look at it this way. This is the most hell we're ever going to get. Can you handle it, you know? And when you're really thinking it that way, because when you really get your eyes on what hell's about, this is nothing, okay? So a mindset. Here we see the Christian under persecution. And three things stick out in this situation. Number one, for those of you taking notes, he's different. And Jesus makes us different. He said, I didn't come to send peace, but I came to send a sword in a man's own family. So all of a sudden, there's a difference in the home. Psalm 40 that we read this morning, I love this, because David said, he took me out of the miry clay and he took me out of the horrible pit, set my feet upon a rock, and he's put a new song in my heart. Even praise unto our God. Many shall see it and fear and shall trust in the Lord. That is, a, that is an awesome testimony. To God be the glory, great things he has done in me and through me. I remember my mom watching me through the years going from all kinds of, you know, drinking to drugs to to you know, L S D to psychedelic experience with Timothy Leary, into hypnotism, into Eastern philosophy and religion. It was weird. I mean my mom would watch me. She kinda tried to understand everything that I was going through. And I'd be teaching her, you know, and this is it, mom, really, this is it. Until finally I came to Jesus. And the searching stopped. And it went by six months and she watched me. She goes, That's interesting. He's still on this Jesus thing. Then it went for a year. And that's when she finally came to the Lord. It just blew her mind. He says, I want what he got. <laughs> he been, something's happened to him, and I want, I want it. I like it. Eventually, of course, uh, my dad came to the Lord. Uh, I remember leading my little niece. At eight years of age in our backyard, my wife and I got together with my niece, and she, she just said, I want to ask Jesus into my heart. She's 38 now, and uh, she's been walking with the Lord for 30 years. And then just recently, another niece came to the Lord. And my brother came to the Lord. I mean, the family is really going through it. I mean, they're, you know, we have a large family, so they're looking at these ones that are calling themselves Christians. They don't like us real well. We're ostracized a lot. We're invited to the big family meetings, but as far as anything else going in the family, we're not called upon, of course. And we're not looked to. uh, We're looked down uh, that those people have lost it. Um, And the reason, of course, is because... We stand for Christ and his righteousness, and men love their darkness. They love their sins, and they don't like light. We looked at that last week. So we're different as he was different, and, and that's, that's a good thing. He's changed us. As all the prophets experienced, we're in good company. I mean, if this is what happened with Jesus, then, of course, this is what's going to happen to us, and that's okay. That's a good thing. The second thing I see here is that our lives are controlled and dominated by Jesus Christ because now we are loyal to serve Him, to please Him. Nothing else, nobody else. And we're persecuted for His sake. I found a scripture over in 1 Peter, in chapter 2, verse 20. And it says, And what glory is it if when you are buffeted for your faults and you shall take it patiently... I mean, here you are going along and and you deserve to be punished for whatever. You were late to work or whatever, you know, and your boss comes down on you and you go, well, I just took it like a man, you know. God's saying, that's no big deal. You deserved it. But then he says, but if when you do well and suffer for it, you take it patiently, this is acceptable with God. When you're doing nothing wrong, when you're just doing everything right, and then they come against you, and you take it patiently, ah, God says, this is awesome. This is what I want to see. So after all that he's done, I'm not my own. I've been bought with a price. I in turn then give him my body, my soul, and my spirit. It's for Christ's sake. So if I'm truly born again, and hey, listen, I stumble and I fall, I'm a sinner saved by grace. But this is my testimony, and this is what's important, that I live for Christ and to glorify God in my life. There's the difference. There's the change. Oh, I stumble, but I'm living for the Lord. I no longer live for self. I no longer live for things of this world. In fact, many have said that this is truly shallow living, if that's where you're living. You're just living for me, myself, and I and for the things that you possess. That's shallowness. Remember Solomon said, I had everything. I could could have anything money could buy. I had it all. And he said, everything is vanity. More than that, it's vexation of my spirit, the things of the world. That's shallow living. Number three, my life and my thoughts are captivated as I set my affection on things above. And so the Lord mentions heaven again. As I look, as I long for his kingdom to come, over in Luke's gospel in chapter 12, verse 31, after talking about the heathen and and how they go after the things of the world and everything, he says, but rather seek ye first the kingdom of God. Here's the way you're to live. You're seeking first the kingdom of God, and then all these things will be added unto you. You'll be taken care of. But then he says, for where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. So this is what they call living with depth, living with meaning, an eternal perspective. And the eternal perspective has eternal dividends. You know, where in this earth, everything is ripped off, it's stolen, it rots, it rusts or whatever. But no, 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 nothing towards the kingdom. It's it's a wise investment. Where is your heart? So going back to verse 12 for a moment, he says, Rejoice and be exceedingly glad, for great is your reward in heaven. This is the normal Christian walk. This is how those who are in faith in Christ or looking to the Lord, are to be living. I looked up in Hebrews, in chapter 11, where most, you know, everyone in this hall of faith did this. I know it only picks out Abraham, but they all did this. And it says in verse 10 of Hebrews 11, For he looked for a city which had foundations, whose builder and maker is of God. He didn't look for the physical things of this life to satisfy him. He kept his eyes looking up. Moses, it goes on to say, that he forsook Egypt, fearing the wrath of the king, for he endured what he went through. How? As seeing him who is invisible. He kept his eyes looking up, looking for that eternal perspective. It just kept him going. So their secret, our secret, is eyes on eternal things, hearts captivated by things above, not on things of the earth. It's a simple lesson but so deep and so meaningful, it affects everything that we have here in this world. Turn with me over to 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and look at this powerful verse, verse 16. 2 Corinthians 4, 16. Paul says in 2 Corinthians 4, 16, For which cause we faint not, and though our outward man is perishing, though we're getting older, though we see this body is, you know, winding down and though we're, you know, experiencing some of the, the upheavals of the food we eat or whatever, you know, we're living in a world that is corrupt and there's corruption everywhere. And the persecution, the heartache, the, the hatred in the home and the family and, and the relatives, that whole scene. He says, though our outward man perishes, yet the inward man is renewed day by day. How is that? For our light affliction. And if Paul says he had light affliction, ours is super light. Okay? Because you just need to go back and read about Paul and what he experienced. And he goes, it's a light thing that I went through. If you think you're going through something heavy. Or just read the book of Job. You know, either one. Which is but for a moment. Notice this time thing. You know, we're into this time thing. We get caught in here. As kids, you know, it's slow. Christmas is dragging around, you know. But then as you get older and older, it's too quick, right? So that's true. It's for a moment. Works us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. And here's the key, verse 18, while we look not, not at the things which are seen, but at the things that are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporal. They're going to pass away. They're the flesh, they're the world but the things which are not seen are eternal." A non-Christian will not think this way. I think we can all understand that. He's geared to the world, its pleasures, the cares, and the riches of the world. And his thoughts are not about death. He don't want to talk about it. His thought is not about heaven. He don't want to discuss it. In fact, these are two issues he would rather avoid. If you don't believe me, try talking to an unsaved person about these issues. They say, excuse me, you know, I don't want to talk about that. Let's go there. Because in their mindset, neither one's going to happen. Or their hope in heaven's going to happen. But they're not sure. But the Christian, this is all he thinks about. (laughs) He's just thinking about, he's got eternity on his mind. He's got the things of God on his mind. He begins to rejoice and be glad in a funky world. He begins, and this word there in in, uh, Matthew chapter 5 is a word that's interesting because it means this joy is to jump for joy, this rejoicing. It means the Toyota kick. Jumping for joy. Colossians, let me just read it to you. In Colossians chapter 3, another little insight here. He says in verse 4, When Christ, who is our life, and I like that, Christ, who is our life, when he shall appear, that speaks to me of the rapture, then shall you also appear with him in glory. And here's a verse in Colossians 3, 4 that speaks of not only the rapture, but the second coming of Christ with, with his church. The first is when he appears. The second is, when you will appear with him in glory. Because in, or, in order to appear with him in glory, you already got to be with him. You already had to have been raptured. But I like that. Who, Christ, who is our life? Speaking about glory. Think, thinking about the things that are coming. So important. Isaiah 26.3 talks about keeping your mind stayed upon Jehovah, upon the Lord that thou will keep him in perfect peace whose mind has stayed on thee. Again, just thinking about the things of God, thinking about our relationship with the Lord and what he has done for us and what he's doing for us and what he's going to do. Oh, what a different difference he makes in my mindset, in my mind and in my thinking about what's going on. So it's for righteousness' sake, for Christ's sake, that we are persecuted. So blessing to those who obey the condition, and that is persecuted because you're Christ-like, not because you're obnoxious and weird. We talked about that last week. Because if you're obnoxious and weird and get persecuted, it don't count. Okay? It just don't count. It's got to be for the Lord's sake, for righteousness' sake. In fact, I found a scripture over in Isaiah 42 where it says in verse 2, he shall not cry, nor lift up, nor cause his voice to be heard in the street. And it's talking about the Messiah. He's not going to be come on like a big showman, like a lot of publicity, and make a big deal. He is meek and mild. He's humble when he comes, lowly, riding on the foal of a donkey. It says, you guys, you need to be as gentle as doves, as wise as serpents, Okay? It's not a big flash thing. It's not in your face. It's not, that's not what type of witness we're to be having. It's to be as Jesus would have it and as Jesus would do it.
0: Pastor Jeff Johnson on Sound Doctrine and he'll be right back. Today's message, Rejoicing in Tribulation, can be heard again at sounddoctrineradio.org or wherever you get your podcasts. And we're also on OnePlace.com. You can also call and request a CD copy for a suggested donation of $5. Our phone number is 800-353-7553. Again, we're here to serve you at 800-353-7553. Pastor Jeff is an author, and I would like to draw your attention to one of his great books, It's called Jonah, More Than a Whale Tale. If asked, would you say you're running from God or to God? You know, that's really the question you'll carefully consider as you go through this book with Pastor Jeff. As you journey through Jonah with Pastor Jeff, you'll observe God's mercy and compassion poured out on both Jonah and the Ninevites. God longs to bless each and every one of us, and he also desires that we share his love with those that don't know him. Jonah would learn that the hard way. Order your copy of Jonah, More Than a Whale Tale, when you call us, 800-353-7553, or through our e-store, sounddoctrineradio.org. And please, consider standing with us with either a one-time gift or an ongoing monthly support. God's Word is very practical, giving us direction, instruction, and wisdom. I think you'd agree, something everyone needs. And with your help, we're able to bring it to them on the radio as well as the internet. Go to sounddoctrineradio.org to make a secure donation today. And you'll notice a Give button in the top right corner at sounddoctrineradio.org. Now, once again, here's Pastor Jeff.
1: Now, persecution comes in various forms. There's the outward, the, the physical... You know, the the losing of your job, you know, because you're a Christian, all of a sudden they just, you you lose your job. Or you might be in a job where they know you're a Christian, and as far as going up the ladder, so to speak, uh, you're not going to go too far because you're not one of the boys. You're not one of the guys. You're one of those people. And so you're always past when it comes to to those going up, and when you take the test and it doesn't happen and it doesn't work out, you kind of wonder why. Being laughed at, being talked about, having a false witness against you, like with Stephen, full-on lies. And they did it with Jesus, too. They lied. And he was they were persecuted because of the lies, let alone being beaten and tortured, imprisoned, and then... Put to death. That is what he means by reviling you. There was a, bl- a blind man in the Gospel of John in chapter 9, very interesting story. This man was blind from birth, and Jesus comes in and he tells the guy, Well, here's a little, takes some mud, puts it in his eye, you know, and he says, Go down, worship the pool of Siloam. The guy's going, well, well, whatever, you know. So he had somebody lead him down to the pool of Siloam. He washed, and he came back seeing. This guy was blind from his birth. Everybody's freaked out. People ran, told the Pharisees. The Pharisees came back and said, what's going on here? And he goes, I don't know. As I know, is this guy named Jesus came by, and he put some mud in my eyes, and I see. Gosh. And, and then they, they're, they're shook up, so they go to his parents and said, hey, was he born Blind at, you know, And they go, yeah. Well, what happened to him? They go, I don't know. You know, he's old enough. You ask him. Go to him and get the, the real story. Well, we already did, you know. And they're frustrated. And finally, they went to him. Said, okay, what really happened? Because it was the Sabbath day, see. And these guys said, we got Jesus for sure this time. They, this Jesus man, he did this on the Sabbath day. Okay. So they... They asked the guy, and they pressed the guy. Okay, tell us exactly what happened. You know, and and he told them. And they said, what are you going to do, become one of his disciples? And he says, hey, all I know, guys, is I was blind, but now I see. Okay? That's my testimony. It's a great one, isn't it? And then it says, and they began to revile him in verse 28 of John 9. They reviled him. More than that, they... The next few verses, it says they cast him out or they excommunicated him from society, from their whole society. They just kicked him out of everything, the synagogue, everything.
0: We'll share the rest of Pastor Jeff's talk, Rejoicing in Tribulation, next time on Sound Doctrine with Pastor Jeff Johnson, the daily presentation of Calvary Chapel Downing.